welcome to Cosmic Kids. I'm Jamie and this is your place for yoga, stories and fun. It's easy. Just copy the moves I do and enjoy the adventure. Hello everyone and welcome to the EdTech Podcast, where our mission is to improve the dialogue between ed and tech for better innovation and impact. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to tell you all about an amazing meetup I went to yesterday that not only felt near normal in COVID terms, but also felt wonderfully celebratory, bringing together over 80 women in technology, engineering and creativity who operate in Cornwall and the Southwest in the UK. This comes at an incredibly exciting time for the Southwest, with the promise of remote working and digital skills up against the stark reality of skill shortages. The event was held at Falmouth University at the Launchpad for Entrepreneurs. Here's Falmouth's Vice-Chancellor, Anne Carlisle, talking about their 2030 mission to move from the university concept to a massive problem-solving accelerator. So I'm going to talk to you um, for not too long from the perspective of creativity and education because I'm listening with interest to what has been said. But one of the things I want to sort of put out is a bit of a provocation, um, which certainly all my years in higher education have come pounded my feeling about this that part of the problem that you face that I face the industry face is actually the segmentation and the quite narrow perspective that we have in terms of um, uh, our approach to learning skills be they skills or technology linked science linked or creative linked and I actually would argue and I'm going to argue that one of the most important things is to use creativity which is a common denominator and does not belong to any sector whatsoever as the momentum and the tool to deal with what the real challenges are which I would also argue are really transdisciplinary and therefore the, the solutions and approaches require us to look at um, what our opportunities are through a challenge-based model rather than a sector-based model. And I'll also expand upon that a bit more. Now, Falmouth has a 2030 strategy, which um, is basically um, very, very short. It doesn't take very long to read it. If you want, you can see it online. And it really puts forward the concept that by 2030, we will have completely turned into a massive incubator. Um, the university concept will be minimised because who needs barriers? Who needs to sort of feel, you know, I'm going to the big house, the university? Instead, it will be 100% focused on what really programmes like Launchpad are about, which are using... Um, the opportunity of students to address challenges, real-world challenges, and to the learning vehicle to be setting up a high-growth company. What's not to like? Founders are created inside the university. This region gets these fantastic companies. And basically, jobs are created over time, and the whole thing becomes a sustainable ecosystem. To do this, Falmouth University are looking to put creativity at the cross-cutting heart of everything they do, in the same way technology is applied across everything that MIT does. Now, MIT is a great institution, world-leading institution. However, they spin out and they touch every discipline. 
that they need to in terms of solving problems and challenges. I like to think some of those the same, except from creativity. This is why we're working in robotics, this is why we're moving into engineering, this is why we're developing psychology. We're doing it from our creative core to meet those people who will come from other cores on the creative bridge and solve problems. If you want to find out more about the event and the mission of Tech Connect, which is a collaboration of orgs including Cornwall Digital Skills Partnership, STEM Cornwall, Software Cornwall and many others including local schools, go to the website which is techgirls.co.uk and the contact is info at techgirls.co.uk. The event got sorted in three weeks from idea to delivery, so these are doers people. Go and check out how they want to get more girls into Cornwall's technology and creativity sector, which has lower representation than the national average. There's tons for mentors, edtech orgs, investors and others to get involved in. So the website again is techgirls.co.uk and that's T-E-C, girls, so technology, engineering, creativity. The whole event got me ruminating on my current read, which is a past guest recommendation and is Range by David Epstein. The central argument is that those that indulge in a breadth of skills go farther than those who specialise, counter to the popular narrative. This seems to marry up nicely with the Falmouth Vice-Chancellor's point that we shouldn't be pushing STEM or segmenting the skills shortage problem into separate boxes, but thinking more in terms of creative problem solving generally. And also this made me ruminate on the idea of Moravec's paradox, and that is that machines and humans frequently have opposite strengths and weaknesses. And so we may want to focus on tangential creative thinking rather than narrow specialisation. Anyhow, that brings me on to this week's amazing guests who know only too well the power of wild creative thinking. There is a time and a place for investors and investment, but this week's guests are a refreshing take on a small is beautiful approach to early years social emotional learning content with massive impact. Jamie and Martin Amor are the founders of Cosmic Kids Yoga. Before our full interview, here's us reminiscing quickly about how I saw Jamie at Camp Bestival this year, which started off the whole chain of events to get them on the podcast. Hi, Martin. Can you see me? Hello. Hi. I can see you. Yeah, just there we go. Hi, Jamie. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks very much for taking the time to do this today. That's You're okay. Welcome. No worries. Yeah. yeah. Where are you sitting at the moment? You've got oh. some... Crazy. <laughs> it's the background. Oh, is it? Oh, is, okay. it a, is it a pretend office? Is it actually like a really messy well, bedroom? I ran a festival, like a podcast festival, a couple of years ago, and it's the um, it's like a photograph from there. So, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah I thought you almost looked like you sat in like Google <laughs> HQ or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That look to it. I'm actually on the edge of Dartmoor, so it's a lot more muddy and just yeah. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I'm on the edge of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that, Martin. You? But you know, yeah. Yes, I came to Camp Festival and um, yeah, that was quite an experience in in itself. But yeah, my um, my little one, he got to uh, come and say hello, and and it was it was it sounds really trite now, but it was quite emotional because I was also very impressed with how uh, comfortable you were at that point with loads of kids around you, given uh, what we've all been through and how it's become quite alien to sort of be next to people. So I found that quite moving in and of itself. So. 
It was really moving, wasn't it? It was some, there was something quite amazing about us all suddenly being together again and and sharing this this time and and yeah and and I knew that they were you know the meet and greet aspect of the of each show was going to be a thing that I was going to have to do and it did cross my mind I was like I wonder if they've got any sort of things that they need me to do and you know and whether that was a thing but then I was thinking well how do you do that with kids you know you can't just sort of stick a glass stick you in a glass box and say stand out there you know so I just and then you just sort of think well just relax get on with it and enjoy it and it was it was totally gorgeous and lovely to meet everyone. I found it very um, emotional I mean partly because we hadn't been out in the world really and mm-hmm. seen uh, something as big and collective as that. You know, I don't know how many people were there, 700 or something, you know, quite mm-hmm. a lot of more than we yeah. ever expected and all doing the moves, all kind of like, and almost looking at other parents, other families around them going, and you do this as well, you know, and, <laughs> and it was uh, strange. And for us having uh, done this thing for 10 years to see all of that happening, you know, mm-hmm. I've sort of felt a bit like, you know, the band that finally went out on tour and people knew their songs, you know, and they could see them mouthing the words. And yes. I, I, that on top of the fact that it was among the first times we'd been anywhere where there were other people, I found, yeah, sort of bottom lip wobbling. <laughs> <laughs> so what I love about Jamie and Martin after five years of doing this podcast is that they're such a fun and honest couple to chat to. So they take podcasting right back to where it should be. And in this episode, we chat about how to channel your energy as an educator when teaching remotely, how to evaluate and prioritise new tech tools, bootstrapping successfully and staying lean and true to your values, listening to your customers, in this case, teachers and parents for new product development, and launching a specific social-emotional learning curriculum content for schools. So a huge thank you to Jamie and Martin again. I had such a blast recording this episode. So here we go. Um... So how did this all come about? A little bit about Jamie and Martin before we go into our interview. Jamie says, born in England, an only child, so lots of time spent entertaining myself and watching lots of TV. My mum was an aerobics instructor in the 80s and 90s, so I went to a lot of her classes and loved watching her teach. I loved performing and storytelling from a young age and ended up going to drama school to train as an actor. I began practicing yoga after drama school and to earn money between acting jobs would entertain at kids' parties. That's how I learned how to work with kids. I would often use yoga in my parties as a way of getting the kids engaged, telling them a story, using the poses to bring it to life. After meeting Martin, I qualified as a yoga instructor, knowing I wanted to keep working with kids. So I applied my yoga training to working with kids and came up with Cosmic Kids. Deciding to stop acting professionally, I decided to put all my energy into teaching kids yoga. And for Martin, so Martin says, born in Brunei and grew up moving with the family as dad worked for Shell. Studied psychology at Durham University before moving into a career in marketing, advertising and ultimately innovation. This entailed working with big blue chip companies, helping them come up with new products and ideas and communicate them clearly in a marketable way. 
Jamie and I met, got together and we moved to the countryside. I could see how it was possible to innovate what Jamie was doing with Cosmic Kids by putting it online and filming it. So we did in 2012. I carried on with my innovation consultancy, eventually writing a book called The Idea In You to show everyone and anyone the process of how you come up with an idea and then build it into a business. That was published in 2015. um, And since then, Cosmic Kids has become a full-time career for both of us with me handling production of the videos, the systems that get Cosmic Kids into the world and managing our partnerships. Um, And we had a nice chat before this bit where we we were talking about Camp Festival and and seeing you there. you know, I think I, I mentioned as well that my my son um, uses and loves Cosmic Kids. And I, so I was really delighted that, you know, you were available and, and, and could come on the podcast to talk about your work and especially obviously what you do with teachers and, and your app so we can get into all of that. Um, but I just wanted to let you know, Jamie, that I also used to have a blue all-in-onesie. So I feel like we we are kindred spirits in, in that sense. Um and that my favourite Cosmic Kids yoga video is the rave-inspired mashup of Hi, My Name is Joe. And I work in a button factory, which is an absolute banger and has a bit of Hey Dougie quality cross with 808 State involved in there. So I absolutely love that. Um, I thought we could start with a nice easy question. So, um, Jamie, what's the best character you've ever dressed up as? Oh, Oh, I've, I've dressed up as some amazing characters. Uh, Toddles the puppy. Yeah, I guess that was quite a moment. Um, so I've been doing, I've been doing kids parties for about 12, 15 years, I think. And uh, it got to the stage where I was, we were doing Cosmic Kids. I was teaching lots of kids yoga and I would wear a different costume every weekend for whatever kids party I was going to. So I love a costume. Always one of the best parts of going to a kids party, wearing a costume. Anyway, this one particular party, you know, 15 years into being a kids party entertainer, it was a three-year-old's party and they wanted me to come along as a puppy. So I got a uh, Puddles the Puppy costume. And I remember coming down the stairs with my suitcase, with all the parachute and all the chick- rubber chicken and all the rest of it in it. Dressed as puddles. Dressed so as a, puddles. So it's a furry outfit. With spaniel ears. Spaniel ears and a collar on that says puddles like, uh, puddles like Scooby-Doo's collar. And uh, and uh, Martin looked at me and he's it's a Saturday afternoon and he's like, well, where are you, where are you going? And I was like, well. <laughs> You don't want to go dressed like that. It's just going, my, going out clubbing. It's like my usual Saturday afternoon garb. Um, whilst I'm going off to do Ava's party, Martin was like, like that. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a dog. I'm a pub, puddles the puppy. And he was like, how much are they paying you? I was like, I'm getting £100. And Martin said, I'll give you 200 if you stay at home. <laughs> anyway, she didn't. She didn't accept I didn't. it. I went and did the party. She did the but, right thing and went to yeah, the party. But that, that was a pretty nice costume and I quite enjoyed wearing it and being being puddles the puppy. <laughs> it was the end of an era. A bit yeah. of a turning point maybe though. In, uh, yeah. It was yeah. the right time to hang up the old fairy wings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you must have so much fun putting your videos together. I mean, sometimes it must be like you're having creative differences whilst dressed as, uh, you know, I don't know, um, someone from frozen and, and like that's a bit awkward but yeah, you yeah must that's true I remember, I remember with um when we were doing trolls um I was determined I was going to look like poppy troll because I think Jeanette Manrara had done it on Strictly and I was like right well if Jeanette can do it I can do it I can paint myself pink I can put on a wig I can do this whole thing 
And um, I remember the wig was a particular tricky thing to actually make. And Martin ended up making the wig, stitching two wigs together. We, we basically built the wig yeah. and um, it was great. But yeah, we had so many conversations while we were filming it and me completely painted in pink and covering everything in pink. Mm. It wasn't exactly practical. <laughs> I mean, the creative stuff is the is the easy bit, actually, I find. We really, I mean, we spark in, in good ways on both sides of the business, the sort of creative and the administrative, so to speak, you know, the getting stuff done side as well, making decisions side. But the creative stuff is always hilarious, you know, because you kind of, it's, you're totally childlike, you know, and writing songs and, you know, just, we love being silly. But then when you have to make decisions and you have you have consequences in terms of workload and stress and there's too many things going on and so on, that's when things get more challenging. And, and obviously, since we've become busier, finding the time to do that kind of goofing off is, um, is has become harder. And so we're, and we're really aware of that as well, trying to find a way of because that's the bit, I think, anyway, that the sort of slight wonkiness in cosmic kids content is one of the things that makes it really interesting to oh yeah definitely. and kids it's and the kids, thing that kids yeah. love the most is the, the wonkiness the, the silliness oh yeah. because they have a radar for if things are a bit too serious that it's a bit yeah. like you know what, what are you learning. trying to get out of me here yeah. 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 Yeah, they know it. They know a learning TV show, right, you know, within the first minute of the of the theme tune usually. And it's like, no. So yeah, they've got they have, they've got that amazing radar. So yeah, that that wonkiness, that playfulness, that that goof, goofy thing that we is so inherent to us actually continuing and making it work. <laughs> it is one of the best things about doing this work though, is that you've got a mix of proper childish wonkiness and you know, learning about like new areas every time we go into the new technology yeah, um, yeah. you know customer service you know marketing etc 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 running a business across a load of different fronts mm. as well and uh, yeah it's a, an incredible gift that we found this thing and grown it from nothing that challenges us in all of those different ways and we get to do it together as well yeah it's it's amazing um well I want to dig into some of those so the, the use of technology but but um, for that, but you know, let's start right back in the beginning. Um, kind of what we were just talking about. So you seem to have the perfect combination of technology skills, branding, and storytelling. Um, anyone who's seen Jamie will know she's perfectly mesmerizing and sort of like an instant espresso in terms of making you awake and positive. Um, and Jamie, you referenced uh the TV presenter Fred Rogers as an inspiration in this sense. So could you expand a little bit about who he was and how he influenced your approach as well? Yeah, absolutely. Fred Rogers is uh, was was uh, one of the most amazing kids TV presenters in the States. Um, and he was known for his um, connection through the lens of the camera into the to, to the child at home, basically watching on the other side. And he would speak very honestly and very lovingly and positively to children through that lens of that camera. And I think there was such power in that. And it was so um, effective and impactful for so many children as they grew up that I felt like if I could channel just a, a flavor of that through what I was doing, then not only would it encourage the children to follow the instructions that I was giving them, but it would also mean that they would receive those those really important messages around um, feeling feeling worthwhile, feeling accepted, and also understanding themselves a bit better. So I was totally inspired by him. Him and, and the likes of Floella Benjamin, who in this country was almost like our equivalent 
um, when the way she would look down the lens of the camera and say hello you know and you felt like she was saying hello to you and I just think there's something so um, simple about that but but totally effective and brilliant about it and and I feel like that's that's slightly glossed over these days in in current kids TVs it's quite crowded and quite noisy and actually there's something wonderful about just the simplicity of that direct connection through a camera. So I was sort of reflecting on this and I I was thinking um, it's also interesting in the context there'll be loads of people listening in who were suddenly tasked during lockdown with sort of conveying the energy of an educator through what they may have felt was sort of like a cold, silent lens of a laptop camera, um, you know, when they were remote teaching and suddenly picked up remote teaching and had to sort of learn that skill set, like how do I engage through the medium of technology? And they may have found that quite difficult. So I wondered if you uh, had any advice on how do you break down the weirdness of interfacing with technology and any tips on, you know, making that more fun, both for the teacher and the student at the other end, you know, when we're talking about perhaps remote learning as well. Yeah, I think you really have to have in your mind's eye an actual person on the other side. And I know the challenge that I think a lot of teachers have had when they're looking at just multiple black squares with a name in it is you don't even know if they're actually there. But you have to just totally believe that there is a person, like a real person sat there in front of you and that you're chatting to them. And I think by doing that, what you do is you forget that there's a camera. Also, hide self-view is a really good idea because having yourself in your kind of screen isn't isn't helpful. Um, You know, like looking in a mirror while you're trying to talk to someone would be weird, you know. But actually imagining that person on the other side and having hide self-view means that you you forget that there's a camera. Um, And I think you just have to bring as much of your honesty and personality to it as you possibly can, because... You know, we we miss nuances when we're working through screens these days. And I think it means we have to work doubly hard at sort of what we mean and what we how we want to communicate and and be as passionate as we as we possibly can be. I had had to go through the process of trying to um, uh, bottle what Jamie does uh, because we did the um, we did it together. But we, we did the teacher training for adult kids, yoga teachers. So right. we've got um, a, a, a course an online course called getting started in kids yoga and there was a bit where we were like right we're gonna have to explain how you engage doing kids yoga and one of the big ones that came out which I think is relevant for online teaching as well is um, modulating your energy Mm -hmm. I'm sure this is something that teachers think about a lot in terms of how they kind of maybe create different parts of their teaching class and uh, transition between them but going from big to small or from fast to slow you know, is is what Jamie does the whole time mm. when she's teaching kids yoga. So if you go from being really excited and animated to being kind of maybe sort of crouched down and whispering, so energy modulation is one of the mm. big the big ones we discovered. Yeah, pitch, pace, pause, power, inflection, and tone. Yeah. <laughs> it's all the sort of drama school stuff, stuff yeah. basically. Now, how you kind of bring your voice and your energy to your communication in order to keep it interesting and make sure it's very clear. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant answer. Love that. So a bit about how you work together. Um, So we've gone over this a little bit. I think your work partnership is really interesting. I put, you know, quite often we have really optimal technological solutions for learning, but they perhaps may lack the community or human centred aspect of what is being developed. 
or we have human-centered approaches which sort of just lift and dump into an online platform so it doesn't really use the technology to enhance what they're doing in the first place. So how between you do you sort of thrash out the approach, the storytelling and the use of technology in a way that connects most with your audience, do you think? I think with the um I think we 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 landed on the video idea because well Martin was had an insight from some tech companies and uh, when you were you were in uh, Silicon Valley as part of my job I had to go with some senior executives to visit some companies in Silicon Valley in 2010 and yeah. they were all talking about video because broadband was sort of coming online making video possible and I remember standing in a mall in somewhere in San Francisco phoning Jamie up and saying oh, we've got to do something with video mm. and uh, I don't know what it's going to be anyway so that 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 was that and, was one thing and then video just felt like because at the time I was teaching lots of different kids yoga classes around all the schools and whatnot and um I felt like not all kids feel like doing yoga at 3 15 on a Wednesday afternoon so you know you get this some of them are a bit like oh here we go you know or they're trying to eat their snack and and I, the idea of doing video just from a practical point of view so that they could do it whenever they like suddenly that convenience factor is really ticked off and and secondly that that freedom then that gives the children the agency to choose what to do and when to do it makes them much more likely to do it so that technology actually totally um opened it up for our audience to enjoy it and give kids that freedom and scope to go I can do I can own this I can do this when I want and that's a really really powerful part of why it works because the kids feel like it's theirs and they own it and they can do what when do it when they want and also YouTube comes with this weird kind of cool tag that I think kids just have this instinct for I think they love the fact that it's a bit of a wild west and you don't quite know what you're going to get even though parents and teachers are a little bit like watching through their eyes you know the equivalent of us sort of being able to watch ITV or or, or even Channel 5 when it goes Tis was being able to watch Tis was when I was a kid watching Channel 5 wild west that's for sure because we've been doing this for 10 years and because it's only really been for much of it us too and plus you know one or two other significant people but really us at the heart of it we've suddenly realized that something wasn't working right or someone's got in touch saying you should do this because i've seen someone else do it and so it's been allowed to grow incrementally Uh, so for example teachers got in touch and said look we we're uncomfortable with youtube now would you do a an ad-free version we'd be happy to pay that happened about 2015 2015 yeah yeah. so about six years ago and you know so then I was like right well I'll try and find something like that and at around about the same time somebody got in touch saying we have this white label service where which you can kind of you know wrap as cosmic kids it has a paywall and it allows you to stream content and have a subscription model and so we we tried it and it didn't cost us anything because it's in their interest as a business to get people on board, you know, until they reach a sufficient size. And uh, and so that happened. And there's been many other examples of that. And, you know, obviously, as you go, we've just been blessed. that It's, it's grown steadily, almost mm-hmm. in a straight line, certainly until lockdown so that the pressure from customers and so on was never so overwhelming and helpful on the whole you know with ideas coming from teachers and parents yeah people wanted to help us Mm. yeah really made it and that's I think fed one of the things that is really part of how we view our business is you look after your existing users Mm. you know that's the kind of main thing it's nice to get new users 
but the main thing is to look after existing ones if you can and you know when i'm most proud of us is when we do that when i'm most upset is when we fail to do that because you know, it seems to me so fundamental it's like a community ethic at the heart of it because they do actually help you make your business better and they do get other people in mm. as well mm. um, i mean to... that, that is one of the joys of of a platform like youtube when before they switched all the comments off you could always at least kind of feel like you're having a dialogue directly with your audience which well, facebook allows that and facebook well, allows yeah. it and i mean in a People way that's one of the positives of those social platforms is that it does give you that opportunity and have, have you ever, I mean, it's interesting hearing about how it's grown steadily. Have you ever had any things where you thought, let's try this, but it's been a bit of a clanger and you thought, no, actually, you know, the technology is interesting, but it's just not work. It just doesn't enable us to do anything interesting or we just thought, no. Yeah, we, we, well, we, I mean, it's actually worked out quite well. But for instance, like we, we wanted to make a game, like we wanted to make a sort of like video game style yoga um idea and that's where we came up with super yoga which is our fast five minute you follow the poses they drop into the bubble machine okay. the kids do the poses and they're brilliant and the kids love them but you know that that's the video and it would be wonderful for it to be a natural interactive game that kids could feel their bodies and you know that get, could score, get points for being in the right position exactly and and um, it's one of those things where you feel like you've hit the limit of what's available to you so you do what you can but we, we can't, we, yeah, can't, we, we, we don't can't, have any capability. We, and, until we get a kind of partner on board who actually builds video, like we've got Nintendo or something, or yeah. people do uh, Just Dance, you know, great. But it's that it's that thing of, um, yeah, you, you reach a limit sometimes. Oh, yeah. When you're, when you're in your position, there's always someone that says, you should do this, you should yeah. do that. And you're like, it's quite a lot of work, yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I know. I think that's, it's been naturally uh, kind of, we've got, uh, because it's, we're a small team it's actually quite hard to to do things mm-hmm. and so we, we we always tend to spend quite a lot of time going what should we do you know before we go and do it mm-hmm. and also because we've we're, we've got so many fronts open so many things that we're doing looking after the app teach training you know we do dvds and blah blah blah, blah lots of th- different things it means that we've always got quite a number of plates spinning so the kind of the good things sort of come to the surface and you, yeah. you you go after them and then you sort of slowly forget the things that didn't quite work yeah. out or didn't feel as natural that you could have pursued I think mm. brilliant and we meet a lot of people who started with funding and an idea mm. you know and it's investors they've got they've got investors they've got a concept they've got a view about the size of the market yeah, yeah. And, and they they may also have values you know but but they um, they are starting with the end in mind, and we definitely didn't start with the end in mind. We started with just a squish video. the fish, squish the fish, you know? <laughs> and a load of people saying, "What's your business model?" And like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because it's on a very much smaller comparison. But you know, it's, with the podcast, I kind of started. I left my job. I started this. I thought it would be something I did, and then to funnel into consultancy, and then it just sort of took off um enough to do that full time but in the, in the I, I relate to the idea that it sort of just grew steadily and you entirely bootstrap then you're not you don't have investors and no investors no no it's just just us i mean i suppose you, i sold my house near the beginning mm. which meant that we had you're a bit, an investor <laughs> I, I, so I, i'm draw, drawing down on that steadily <laughs> but um yeah, no, we don't have any investors and we don't really want any. I mean, you could probably be the sort of team that would be like, how do we maximise this opportunity? You know, you could look at um, growth, but it doesn't 
come to us that naturally we tend to try and keep things quite small and do good things because the technology is what allows you to scale mm. you know um you wouldn't have the time to you know you get uh, face painted as a troll because they'd be sending you out here and there well, and, exactly yeah where's the return on investment monkey. of making your hands and feet pink yeah. exactly you know but it's all about it's all about that but trying to sell that idea to someone some big wig with the money i don't know whether yeah. they'd go down it would go I down i don't want to be pushed around by yeah. somebody and every, every time we watch like dragon's den and we're sort of like you try and look at dragon's den through the lens of okay what would our pitch be and what would we <laughs> asking for and we're sat there going I have no idea you know actually and I wouldn't want this this would be not the stress I would need in my life you know these guys kind of looking at you going how are you going to make me money you know because that's just that always seems to be the thing that slightly poisons stuff is that go right well how can we make this make money that's just not the right intention behind doing something whereas if you go how do I make this really brilliant and work really well for kids then yeah. you get something and really you can good. see the consistency and the quality in what you do and um you know it can affect things that's for sure so martin i got some more questions for you as well um, oh, okay so i've been jumping in anyway no so i love it so answering i'm sorry Jamie. um so as someone with an innovation background how do you source new technical approaches to delivering cosmic kids and what things are on your list of what you would love to do but have not had the time to do just yet well I think the the thing is to to notice existing users and how they're behaving. So that that's the obvious thing. So people will say, "Hey, could you do this, please?" That's the usually the best source of insight. And in terms of technology, I um, usually do it through a sort of inadvertent networking, where um, I'll talk to someone who's in the similar. I've made some friends over the years who work in, say, video on demand or do similar things to us in, say, the wellness industry. And I'll just talk to them and we'll moan to each other about the things we're finding hard. And they will um, often share a partner or platform or similar. But most of what we use isn't um, very complicated. You know, we, we have a white label app on Vimeo, but also VidApp now, and that's hosted by and looked after by somebody else so really i'm looking for things that we can offshore you know to outsource to somebody else who's reliable so the technology won't break or if it does i don't have to resolve it um and so i'm always looking for maximum flexibility and kind of uh, capacity within that and manageable overheads and um i suppose the other thing that we do is make sure that we work with people who are really good and really interested in what they're doing so for example conrad who we work with who does who's what we call our technical director but he really looks after the um, filming and sound and and also the kind of 3d side you know we do outsource some of that to others as well but he is so interested in pixels and sound waves and lenses you know and just you know so interested in it that I just know that whatever happens, we will improve at the speed we need to because he will spot something in the market, you know, to do with, you know, color grading or or the the lens that we use or the you know the speed of the memory that we use or anything like that. So it seems to happen. I don't go like right Friday morning, two hours of kind of just double checking them up with the right tech. 
it just happens incrementally like nearly everything in cosmic kids to be honest so refreshing i love it i love it <laughs> it's how everyone does it but they don't they're not going to say that are they it's like uh, <laughs> well, um, i meant to have a proper answer for that <laughs> <laughs> i mean that was one of my next words was going to be like you know are there any particular technologies you'd like to use so you know there's things like augmented reality virtual reality gaming mm. that you talked about but it sounds like it is the right way around which is what do we need and if we don't need it maybe it can go to the back of the queue for a bit until it becomes more relevant so yeah it does happen like that i mean there are things that would be nice like for example augmented reality such as pokemon now type approach to yoga would be interesting and there is some technology around where we could use that you know where you know a kid is inspired through the technology to do a yoga pose in the corner of the school school hall or, or you know or on the you know at the bus stop maybe or kind of I don't know like just some kind of local trigger for for yoga but as you say I find that if, if we go too deep into complex technical solutions it usually we usually get a bit lost yeah. and that it sort of means the fact that nobody from the world of Pokemon Go or whatever has, has come to us means that there really isn't an opportunity there at the moment. So for us to build it from scratch is probably a bit mad. I mean, one of the things that we've been thinking about is how do we give a, a personalized message from Jamie to people who join our app? It's one of the things that we think could be really motivating for kids because they sort of fall in love with Jamie. And so we've looked into the software and, you know, that, that requires understanding um, how you how you can put film into this mix and then overlay a custom message photo a photo mm -hmm. and then um, spit that out and send it to someone as a link via an email and you know it's this kind of ecosystem all of itself and it's definitely possible but it would take a load of us yeah. quite some time to do and is it worth it I mean it would obviously make that kid's day that day and maybe they'd watch it again but beyond that, it doesn't really move the game on for what we're trying to do, which is to get kids to do yoga and mindfulness. There's going to be an easier way of us applying our skills than that, you know. Yeah, I mean, Florella Benjamin, she would have just sent out a signed photo, wouldn't she? So well, exactly. It's, yeah. Like, yeah. it's like that space pen story, you know, the, the, yeah. the Russian cosmonauts using a pencil and the, the Americans spent years and five million bucks making a pen that wrote in space. You know? <laughs> just what's the problem you're trying to solve you yeah know? and does it help the kids do yoga I think that's the underlying thing what you just yeah. said there is is that if the technology will allow us to help kids uh help facilitate kids to do yoga then it's worth having a good look at if it if it really will but generally there's not much there that needs to be complicated or messed with mm. it's it's all right. video is the key you know mm. a, a good video of a good performance from Jamie you know will mm. will we'll unlock that and so for us I think it's less about technology it's about how we um how we strike the right balance as a as a business to keep doing that in a way that's helpful to as many people as possible mm. so so for example how much should we give away free so that people get a proper experience of it and so that people who couldn't afford to pay us for it um, get to use it um, but how do we make sure that the business survives so we actually do have revenue as well you know those are kind of questions that we wrestle with as well and I, I find that the, once you've got the kind of main nuts and bolts of the technology in place 
you're more or less what we have now yeah. uh, you're more or less there it'll be other bits you could add on but they'd probably be a bit distracting and you'd be better off thinking about these bigger questions brilliant you have a tight-knit working group with yourselves and the amazing conrad who you've just talked about um of the types of people listening in so teachers or school leaders college university leaders workplace learning and development specialists investors or policy advisors do you have any messages to any of them Hmm. I think it's just a question of us continuing to be in touch with those people, because actually the more we can have a, have that dialogue going between them and us, the more we can feed that into what we're doing and how we're presenting it. Um, for instance, we're working on a curriculum at the moment to try and organise our content into a, a social and emotional learning curriculum that a teacher could pick up and really dive into and work through in a really nice, clear process or they could dip in and out of and just use it as part of other SEL curriculums that they're using. And I think um, the more we can actually learn and understand what it's like for teachers and what are the problems on the ground that they're facing every day, the more we can really shape what we're offering to fit those needs. Um, So to those educators and, and people, I want them to see us as sort of like as as their as their helpful assistants who can help them work with you know the kids in their classrooms um but also to feed back to us what 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 really works about what we do now and what would help them more with what they're doing yeah i think that it's really helpful to hear what works i mean i'm always blown away when whenever we do a survey we get thousands of responses and i think there's a sort of I think they feel our intent, you know, and when we're asking, we're genuinely asking, you know, we want to know mm. how to make it better. And it's really helpful to understand the constraints that teachers work under, whether that's financial or time or te- technical, you know, technological, as in the availability of smart boards and things like that. Mm. So, um, yeah, because what we're trying to do is, we because you know we talked a lot about growing incrementally and it's happened with our content as well we've created multiple strands so we've got mindfulness called zenden we've got the yoga adventures we've got peace out which is guided relaxations and we've got various other ones and we've realized that this kind of mega archive is um which we built incrementally is is somewhat complete as a social and emotional learning curriculum but not yet organized and so that's what we're investing in at the moment is going what does a teacher need in order to communicate um, social and emotional learning messages to kids and it's not just video it's also going to be like class plans pdfs you know suggestions about how to use the space whole school suggestions send home with parents suggestions and stuff and so we're just starting to we've been talking to quite a few teachers and people in the SEL space and um, headmasters and so on we can do that in a lean way we can do quite a lot of it for nothing but maybe it's 50 bucks a year or, or or something like that you know through our app and it's a bunch of pdfs and then all the videos are there so in other words there's a kind of reasonable level of te- technology that's required but not much if you link those two conversations we've been having together about not getting lost down the rabbit hole of tech you know with how can we create something that has major impact in general it's about knowing exactly what you need to do and and no more as in not having to do any more than that so that you can have impact because the impact is in the insight and the quality of the messaging and the quality of the performance that Jamie does and the fact that she connects with the kids and then the structure that we build around it technically 
we could overcomplicate it or we could make it really simple. A bunch mm-hmm. of videos and some PDFs, well organized with good headlines. Mm-hmm. But of course, we're having to think about things like Cassell, which is this SEL structure, making sure because people get nervous around SEL because it's about character and you know, you need to think about inclusion and diversity and things like that. But we still want to have impact in that space. So understanding or hearing from people, ways that we can be smart, I guess, mm-hmm. is 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 what we need because. Some schools, if they want to buy our app, they'll they'll pay they'll send us a check, you know, for whatever you know, <laughs> like a, a silly amount. Like thirty seven pounds. Yeah, some thirty seven pounds. I lost the check, you know, and they phoned <laughs> up and they said, "Why haven't you cashed it?" And so I've lost it. You know, we, we work from home, but but um, some schools are, are fully equipped and totally understand. You know, they've got kind of like a smart connection between devices and smart boards and. There is probably a kind of route between those two that most schools can cope with mm-hmm. that we're trying to navigate. Finding that, that makes medium. it really easy. Yeah. And so that, that sort of insight is really helpful to mm-hmm. us, I think. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it, as well? Because I'm, I was just thinking about the timing of your app. So I think, you know, if, I'm, if I've got it correct, it was around 2015. Then you changed it a bit, maybe from desktop to mobile. And then the pandemic hit and then it must have... You know, did, there, yeah. there was suddenly this national interest, almost a res- an, an instinctive response to the pandemic and the stress was sort of doing exercise. So, you know, we had all the, the Joe Wicks, what you're doing, the government saying you should go out for an hour walk um, and perhaps people who weren't doing exercise in the same way suddenly really, really going for it. And I, I, and I wonder what your conversations are, whether in the school now it's back in a sort of structured um, and and more in a physical environment, whether that's getting squeezed, and you know how do we keep it? How, what policy do we need, or how do you how do we help enable experts like yourself to ensure that the kids have these amazing tools because they have been through this thing, and it's not just going to get sort of parcelled up and you know doing the catch up academically. So I'm, I'm really interested to know how that whole experience has been. So the pandemic, the app coming out and then making the most of that I suppose yeah well we I mean I, I guess that the main I mean I, I think that in order to for us to continue having that bit of exercise or sort of well-being focus within education we as cosmic kids have to establish the relationship between movement and uh, emotional wellness mm. you know and, and there's a, there's a there's a possibility of that space being sacred um, as well as PE, you know, like we're not pure PE. We are used in indoor recess and so on at Cosmic Kids, but we have this um, SEL angle, which I think is becoming more and more important uh, in education, or that's what we see. But SEL is very difficult to teach. And I, I think that a lot of teachers we've spoken to sort of know what it means, but how do you unpack it so that you kind of support a six or seven year old? on their way to understanding that they are, uh, you know, that they can be mindful, that they can control their moods, that they can, um, you know, that they have an amazing sparkle inside them that could go on and have an amazing positive impact on the world, you know, as well as do all the other things that you've got to do if you're a, a teacher. And I, and I think that, that the kind of big leap that happened at, back at lockdown was a sign, and, and actually the need that the pandemic created in terms of people's mental health was a catalyst for people getting organized and valuing things. But 
I don't see that many people have been able to organize it into a way that is easy to use yet for teachers. PE, I think, is just as important as it ever was, but there's this sort of mental health, physical health crossover. It's got a lot more um, intentional now, I think. Before the pandemic, teachers were our biggest ambassadors. They have been using Cosmic Kids since right back from the first video we put out in 2012. And um, they jumped right onto it. And so when the pandemic hit, the teachers sent the kids home with that list of resources that they could access at home that they use in the classroom. And Cosmic Kids was on a lot of those lists. So hence our views went from 100,000 a day to a million a day on March the 23rd, which was mental, you know, really nuts. So we um, we then, so that, 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 that happened. It was so beautifully valued and people so loved it and were super grateful all the way through lockdown, which was just amazing for us to be watching and sort of being on the receiving end of. And then obviously as lockdowns, we, we came out of lockdown and we went back to school and we went back into lockdown. We would see the numbers kind of fluctuate as people would come back to it and use it. But now what's quite interesting is that actually our numbers have stayed quite stable. Mm-hmm. So that's really encouraging to us uh, because it means that all those people that signed up for it back when the need was really hot have basically held on to it and are sticking mm-hmm. with it. And that's like, wow, okay, well, something about this still is working for people. The kids are using it. And that use is what's so so key is that they they've built a habit, they've built a, a thing, practice. a practice that they can do that they feel good doing, um, that they recognise the benefits in some way, whether it's whether that's consciously or you know subconsciously, um, and the te- they've gone back into school and teachers are now using it again, but much more intentionally because I think they want to help the kids in their classrooms deal with all the. The, the stuff that they've gone through um, and they can see that Cosmic Kids is a real means for them to, to help them do that. And for, Because it's fun. Yeah. Because kids like it. And the continuity that's, that's, that's of it the as key. well. Yeah. yeah. If, it, if it wasn't, I think that's the other, you know, we're saying, does it help kids do yoga? Ultimately, the big question is like, is this fun? Mm. Yeah. You know, and like when you turn it on, is a kid going to be like, oh no, or they're going to be like, brilliant. You know, like we hear about Cosmic Kids being used as a reward for example, yeah, it's, really, a treat. it's a yeah. treat. It's a Friday afternoon kind of thing. You know, um, they've done well this year, this week. So they get to pick a cosmic kids yoga adventure. I think that means in a way we've got a sort of responsibility because we found a bit of a, um, you know, a, a special uh, um, sort of code there that mm-hmm. we can unlocks movement and mm-hmm. people listening to Jamie, we've got to find a way of getting it out into the world so that as many people as possible can use it and it's as easy as possible to use. And mm-hmm. yeah, we don't overcomplicate. We don't add bits on that, that are unnecessary. And mm. yeah, so I mean, I hope long may it continue. Certainly we wish that we'd had it when we were kids, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Instead, you know, I probably had a bit of a meltdown in my thirties, you know. <laughs> probably because you didn't have it when you were a kid. Yeah, exactly. I wholly subscribe to the idea that you're either a bit rebellious when you, you're at home or it comes out later on. So, you know. Exactly. <laughs> um, brilliant. You've got these children now. So like we grew up with Fluella Benjamin. Have you ever thought about developing content with them as they get older? So if, if I'm a user with you now and I'm sort of like, I don't know, eight. And then, you know, mm-hmm. in 10 years time. So we, would you consider making content? for those people as they go through their life or will it be kind of focused on the, the kids element do you think I think I think it will always be focused on the kids element purely because that's where all of my experience lies you know I have not I've not had that sort of concentrated 
um, real meaningful time working with kids who are in their teens or in their 20s on you know I've, I've become a yoga teacher I can teach yoga to adults and that's fine but it's so much more fun teaching kids honestly <laughs> and um the whole um the whole sort of angle for me is because I really felt like I connected with kids doing those parties all those years you know and feel like I can really I can really use that skill and empathize and connect with kids and so it feels like um I should just keep doing that because it still works and because I don't have that experience or such a strong connection with the older, with, with, with older generations, it doesn't feel as natural for me to sort of, yeah. you know, try, go into that. But, Easier to you know, specialise. Yeah. I mean, some of the kids that have been doing Cosmic Kids uh, will be, what, maybe 14 now? Some yeah, of them maybe a bit so. older, you know, 15. We yeah. sit occasionally, when we were doing live shows this summer, there would be some kids there who were in their teen, mid-teens, yeah. some of the kids doing the moves, you yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, it's one of the things I find most exciting is that these people are growing up and becoming adults and going yeah. out into the world and and doing stuff. Mm-hmm. But I sort of think that Cosmic Kids works best for a, an age. There's a moment when you kids become self-conscious, social, you know, and it's uh, before that that, that um, Cosmic Kids works best. Yeah, I think. Yeah, sort of between three and nine seems to be the sort of like heartland. And yeah, when they get to about eight or nine, they start becoming quite aware of their friends and, you know, what everyone thinks about them. What's cool. That's when I feel like hopefully you'll draw down on a lot of the tools that you've learned in those last five years to kind of still feel like I'm okay. You know, I've got this. I'm going to be all right. You know, so that's the that's the main I do think that age might be different in different countries yeah very different I think in India we get much older users we do we get you know the kids are 10 11 12 they're all like cosmic kids in India and what is your sort of international reach I'm guessing in every country but you know there's sort of top three top four yeah Yeah. so we have about 50 percent US yeah and then um when I was realizing 17 in the UK yeah it's something like about 15, 17 in the Australia yeah, yeah yeah Australia is well the biggest ones are US UK Australia Canada New Zealand a little bit of India now coming yeah. through and then UAE Ireland yeah uh yeah bits of UAE but and English South Africa and your SEL education content is that sort of for all of those countries or are you are you kind of focusing on the UK to start with how does that work well, I think, I think it would be for all of those countries. We, I mean, we are based in the UK, so it's easiest to talk to teachers here to start with. But we want to make sure that it's relevant uh, in the US as well. And we have connections with teachers mm-hmm. in, in the US. And there's and absolutely Canada. no question that we want this to, to be in the US as well. You know, it's a global uh, product mm-hmm. because we're on, a, we're on global platforms. Mm-hmm. And the language does translate across, you know, when we're talking about kind of self-regulation or self-management or awareness or yeah. mindfulness, they're all kind of a collective language that we all understand. So there's no reason why it can't apply to multiple countries. And there'll be a process at the beginning of it once well, it's already starting now where we'll release things to be tried out, you know, with people who are interested and can give us feedback and they'll help us shape it for their markets a bit. There'll be language differences and uh, I guess some, I don't think there'll be any logistical differences really. I mean, it's the same thing. Human beings the world over have Mm. similar kind of frameworks for thinking about child development. Mm. And we've got such good, good um, relations with teachers in the US as much as we have here in the UK. So we've always got this wonderful sort of um, 
like a group of people we can call upon to help us make sure that what we're how we're communicating will hit the nail. We on want the head. more though. We, we more do want more. more. We want more well, educators. Yeah. I'm not to sure kind we're of... sending out a flare yet, but but uh, you know, if there's people yeah. out there who are interested, then get them to get in touch. Yes, yeah, so we'll ask about this. So, um, how much is the app? If if you're you know, how does the app work in terms of educator cost? Well, it's sixty five dollars a year. Okay, and that fifty pounds, isn't it? Class or per student? How how does it? Well, uh, at the moment, it's um, you can have up to three devices running on it simultaneously. So we haven't done a kind of uh, a big sales team job on it. It's it's all uh, purchase. Yeah, and and we, for example, at the moment, we don't really do purchase orders and, and that kind of thing. Um, so, I, I mean, I would say per classroom. Um, but we are going to be working on this. We're slight because we're not a technology company. We haven't built the platform ourselves. Mm-hmm. We tend to work within the limitations of the sort of white labels. So Vimeo is what we're using at the moment for our um, online for the website. And this thing called VidApp, which um, works with, with Vimeo. So their buying process um, is what we use. And so you have a user login. So it would be an email is one user. Um, when people have, if people have multiple teachers, we're now at the point I think where we can do, we can set people up with, you know, a discount for multiple teachers. And we have to put all their emails in, yeah, so they've all got a login and things. So yeah. it's just working with the way the technology. But there can be there us. can be turnover as well in classrooms sometimes in certain schools, and so sometimes it's like a, a classroom email. Mm. Um, we don't mind if a school email is using it, to be honest, you know, and <laughs> sharing it between them. I'll never know anyway. <laughs> and if I'm a parent, well, I am a parent, I don't know what I'm saying if I'm a parent. Yeah. <laughs> as a parent. As a parent, even. Um, same. Is it the same deal or? Yeah, it is yeah. currently, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's $10 a month. And so we made the annual one like just about half price to try and encourage people to go for it. And, and then we were like, should we discount it even more for schools? And we we were like, not sure because I think if there was multiple people buying multiple ones, then then we would do a happily do deals. Um, but discounting below that, we we start kind of getting a bit close in terms of margin. Mm. And actually, I, I think in terms of value, it's you know given if you have a classroom who like it and who are finding it useful, um, you know what's that every month like a cup of coffee or something, you know, uh, for having cosmic kids and. Once we've created this structure around it and the PDFs and the class plans and so on, I think it's it's like your SEL solution. I mean, obviously your energy as well, and you're preparing the classroom and doing the teaching, but the video side and the PDF side, it's your SEL solution. So for $65 a year for a classroom, you know, how much is that a kid? Not very much. Yeah, it sort of works out as being quite reasonable, we thought. But, yeah, um, so given... I mean, you know, we're, we're open to, we're trying to price it so that people don't go like, oh, that's the expensive one. Yeah. But I don't I don't think it is at that rate. What do you think? Do you think that's about right? Or uh, The way you just described it in terms of value for the classroom, I mean, that's 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 also it. You know, people want a schema of work and, uh, you know, it sounds, uh, it sounds like good value. I know because I enjoy it. So, um, <laughs> uh, what I would say to any listeners, do not send them a check. They do no. <laughs> I'll just, well, unless you want me to lose it, I which is probably a really good incentive to send, send a check. check. No. We all love checks, but um, come on now. Um, yeah. uh, so what was it? Um, 
I did ask you before how you like to switch off outside Cosmic Kids Yoga. And unsurprisingly, I don't know why I asked, because you said you like to do yoga. So that's uh, <laughs> obvious. Walking the dogs. Um, yeah. But anyway, thanks again for coming up with such a sort of happy and uplifting concept. And, you know, I know that's helped literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of parents, teachers and children, myself included. And your art, Jamie, of talking to us down the camera, even when dressed like a troll, is, you know, something to behold. Um, so thank you both. All, um, and also I've put here something that all primary teachers can probably relate to as well. Um, so Cosmic Kids um, are at Cosmic Kids Yoga on Twitter and YouTube, I believe. Um, so do go and check them out. Go and find out the work they're doing in education and have a play with the app. Um, and otherwise, thank you both so much for your generous time today as well. Well, thanks, Sophie. It's been lovely to come nice on to your, to you. your podcast. So thanks so much and maybe see you at Camp Festival next year. Yeah, <laughs> Hope so. Yeah. All right. Take care. Thank you again. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks everyone for listening and thanks again to Jamie and Martin. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate and review or drop us a note at Podcast EdTech on the social medias. If you fancy a chuckle this week, then go and check out the Twitter feed EdTech Epigrams, which is a bot mixing up famous quotes with EdTech buzzwords such as, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears and engagement something silly for you to uh, distract yourself with Uh, next week I'm moderating a discussion between the UK and Austrian edtech sectors with the Austrian embassy so if you fancy swapping notes on these ecosystems the similarities and the differences and how to get involved with each check out the link in the show notes otherwise I'm back after that with a live Boktech podcast episode Uh, looking at workplace skills and learning as part of Eurofy's week of BopTech. You can sign up in the show notes. The whole week has got speakers from the Association of Colleges, RSA, Halfords, Zinc VC, Caps Lock, the British Games Institute and much more. We'd love to see you there. And I may be in London for that week, which is in mid-November. So if anyone's about, great to meet up. That's all for now. Take care, listeners. Bye-bye.